Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is your Bomb Wednesday service. I am Naima Cochran, better known as the Senior Pastor of Music Sermon. And back with me this week is Karn Phillips. Hi. What's happening? How are you? I'm good, man. I'm over here trying to stay cool, drinking my water, hydrating. Um, shout out to all the Uber Eats drivers that helped me down the last couple of days. Appreciate <laughs> your service. Wait, I'm going to come back to that because I need to know if this means you can't cook. But we're going to put a pin in that. Um, wow. I'm just at, it's just a question. It's not a judgment. It's wow. just a question. It's just a question. Um, before we get into anything, though, I want to shout out everybody who... Listen to the show last week. You guys showed us so much love. Um, a lot of you tweeted at me, tweeted at the rest of the bomb team, um, just showed support. Let us know that you were listening. Please continue to do so. Um, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. All that stuff that you're supposed to do with podcasts. Please do that. But most importantly, Please continue to give us feedback. Let us know what you would like to hear us talk about. Let us know what you like. You can let us know what you don't. My skin is thick. It's a new show. We're figuring it out. Um, and I also do want to shout out the rest of the shows in the Count the Dings family. So there is, in case you did not know, 
The Count the Dings feed, which is the dad pod on Monday, Cinephobes on Wednesday, the mailbag on Friday, and then my family, the bomb feed, which is the original bomb podcast on Tuesday, my show on Wednesday, and the woke bros on Thursday, and then the pack your knives feed on Thursday, or rather the pack your knives show on Thursday. So we got something for everybody on every day. So make sure you're checking all of those out as they appeal to you. Um, but for this week, unless you have some shouts, Mr. Phillips of your own, no, yes. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm, Aside from the Uber Eats yeah. people, which we're going to yeah. talk about in a second. DoorDash Door Dash 2. DoorDash 2. Yeah. So wait, actually, let's, let's just pause there before yeah. we get into anything else. Do you not cook? Yeah. I cook really, really well. Like you cook really well. My cook game is fantastic. I just haven't felt like it the last couple of days. No, I, just, I, just, I can't even be mad at that because I was overcooking really early in quarantine. Yeah, I mean, I, I cooked a mean breakfast this morning, but then I was just like, I don't feel like doing this shit. <laughs> I, I got some promo codes. Do do do. Promo codes. Yes. I'm never mad at a promo code. I see. I'm um I'm hesitant to use. Uber Eats because I hear stories about people stealing food. See, I was just like you, but since moving to Chicago, I got all four of the apps. Mm -hmm. Since I started in COVID, everyone's taking these huge, these huge, you know, cautions. So everything's stapled and bagged and so people can't be like sneaking your fries. Yeah, so they can't do anything. But before, like when I was in Atlanta, I was just like you. I was like, nah, I go pick it up. I'm good. Right. I, I, I ordered a 10 piece, not an eight. So, yeah. <laughs> right. I don't know. I might. I mean, listen, things are opening up, but I'm, I'm still getting delivery at home. So I may give them a shot. But the delivery fees are so hot. Well, anyway, that's another story. Um, one thing I do want to want to get into before we we get to anything else in the show. Um, by the time this airs, it'll be July 1st, which in and of itself is crazy. But today, June 30th, as we're taping, is the last day of Black Music Month. And me being who I am, I would be remiss to not acknowledge that. And also because context and history is what we do here, give a little bit of framework around how um, Black Black Music Month actually got started. So even though the observance is 30 years old last year, it wasn't actually recognized as... um, a bill for the for the month of June until 1991 during the Clinton administration. But it was actually brought on by a group formed by Kenny Gamble and a bunch of other kind of leaders in black music. They formed a consortium called the Black Music Association. And their goal was to like the mission statement was to protect, preserve and promote black music. But their intention was to drive major labels to have black music divisions, hire more black executives to get more black promoters and venues to get black retailers better rates on product because they were complaining that they couldn't get, they couldn't sell as much because they couldn't get the same price as the big box retailers could get. And the formation of the black music association, it was like, it was people in radio TV. So like Don Cornelius was in it people from the Black Broadcasters Association, people from the Black Retailers Association, people from the Congressional Black Caucus, like Jesse Jackson was part of it, artists, Stevie Wonder and Smokey Robinson, and then, of course, executives like Dick Griffey, um, and just about Barry Gordy, basically anybody who you would imagine that in 1978 would be part of some Black music shit. Um, And 
unfortunately, the there were too many fractions in terms of focus inside the coalition. They only lasted a few years. But the one thing that they did that stuck was Black Music Month. And initially, it was intended to be all about a increasing the retail revenue and sales of black music. So now we just use it to celebrate and observe black music and highlight black artists. But the initial, the initial tagline was black music is green. And it was a time to actually drive sales up for the music of black artists. And, um, actually I think that that now when we're in a time where urban music is the number one genre, I think that that's a nice little turnabout. Although, we're right back to where we were before in terms of needing black music divisions, black executives, et cetera. So that's another story. That's something that a lot of us in the industry are working on. But um, I just wanted to give that little background. So shout out to Black Music Month, my favorite time of year. But also, as part of Black Music Month, the BT Awards celebrated their 20th anniversary the other night uh, with a virtual program. And I really wasn't sure how this was going to go. Like, there's been a lot of virtual shows already so far. We've seen fundraisers. We've seen, you know, he came back, the NFL draft, with various levels of success, right? Um, I thought the production value of the BET Awards was really well done. But what did you think? I loved it. Like, the, the, the only thing... I could compare it to would be the NFL draft because that went off flawlessly. And that was like a three night event. Um, and it was, we had a lot of question marks coming into it. Uh, you know, as you've got uh, player reaction and you had to have all the cameras and the amount of people. Right. And, and, you know, the best thing about the draft is the reaction in the arena and walking on the stage and all of that. So that was leaving. Um, but somehow ESPN and NFL network pulled it off seamlessly uh, which is what happened Sunday night, uh, because look, I'm a fan of BET. I know people like to criticize it. I never right. have because I understand their purpose and what they're doing. And they did a really, really good job. Um, and I think what people should take away is that I wasn't so, so surprised that they did so well, because I understand how hard it is to do a live show. And the right. BET Awards are live every year, and it's a party. Right. And you tell these artists, get up there and don't cuss. And what do they do as soon as they get out there? Start cussing. So right. I get why there are hiccups every year, especially during intermission. Everybody want to run outside and go to the bathroom, take a picture, and go to the bar. I get why they have legs. So yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. yeah, you're right. There's a lot of moving parts to a live production that I think people don't really account for, to your point. And, and these are real, actual, live human beings, so you don't always know if they're going to do what they're supposed to do. Um, but no, I think, I think they did, and I happen to know from people I know who work in BET that they were busting their ass to pull this together. I mean, the 20th anniversary is a hell of a time to not be able to do a live show. And you couldn't skip the show because it's the 20th anniversary of the BET Awards, right? Um, I actually remember sitting in the office at Arista watching the very first one and kind of wondering, I want to say, yeah, it came, it must've come on during the weeknight cause I was at work. Um, but it's been interesting to see how it's evolved over the years. But to your point about the catching the family and a player reaction, that was the one thing I felt like was missing. Like there's something about having an audience at a live show that you just can't 
duplicate or replicate. And your girl, Amanda. (laughs) (laughs) Tiffany. Tiffany. Is not the one to bring the energy factor. I I mean, I have my own shit with her and her special woke brand of, of... commentary and humor and whatever you want to call it but that she was she was the only thing that kind of fell flat for me like I get it I know people who know her personally and don't like her and I get why some people don't like her and why she can be problematic at times what I appreciate her about her though is that like she's trying now does she always succeed no but she's trying but I think she had a really really difficult job to oh, do sure. all that she did with the skits in her house with no audience reaction. Like, you got to think Amanda right. Seals has been a radio host. She's been a, a, a singer. She was up there with Floor Tree, uh, and she took the Floors' spot for a while. Right. She's been on TV. She hosts her own, uh, what is something funny in black, smart, funny in black. But and, she's definitely done tapings. Yeah. Right before. Like her MTV two shows had no audience. So that's not I mean, I but I get like it. A board can't show, like, a, yeah. Can't feed off a reaction. So I, I mean, I don't think she'll be back, but <laughs> I saw a tweet that was like they should have had Seaches World, and I was like, yeah, actually that would have been a great idea. A lot of people were like, This would be the perfect opportunity to bring Sita back. Um, I'm surprised that there wasn't even like at least like a little Sita clip, something. They could have at least had her do a little interstitial something. But they we're did. assuming that like Sita would have wanted to do this, though. Like, I mean, it ain't, gotta be the, it ain't gotta be the same voice. Yes, it could be do. somebody. No, it doesn't. It really? could have been somebody else. I, I mean, especially if you got Donnie. They had Donnie Simpson at, towards the end. You might as well bring Sita. Who can't do Sita? But here's what I think. So my understanding is that the reason that BET... I don't have proof, but I believe this. My understanding is that the reason that BT Plus doesn't have their legacy shows like the CETA, like the Teen Summit, like the old video show Souls, is because they didn't they didn't properly catalog the footage and and preserve the footage. So like they don't have an archive. I believe that. So CETA may just not beat her. They may have had to listen. Like, I had the BET login from someone, and I was definitely looking for old episodes of Hits from the Street, and it was not on there. <laughs> It was not there. That's hilarious. Yeah, they don't have any of their classic stuff on there. They just have movies and new TV shows and just regular black TV shows. But anyway, shout out to you, BT. Tagline, our culture is too big to be canceled. I mean, I get it. I guess I don't think anybody was saying y'all should have been canceled, but I, I get it. It was, you know, it was trendy. It was it was good for the times. But I also want to point out, and this ties back to the whole... Um, Black Music Month thing I was talking about. So when the Black Music Association was formed, Kenny Gamble, who, for those who don't know, is my half of Philly soul production team Gamble and Huff, um, he based the model on the Country Music Association because he saw how fiercely the Country Music Association protected and insulated country music, country artists. So this is kind of relevant because last night or Sunday night was the first time the BET Awards were on a major network outside of the Viacom system. They were on CBS because of the Viacom-CBS merger. And the reason I bring this up and the Country Music Association up is because the CMAs have been on a major network since the 70s. But the Black Award shows, I'm not going to say we never have. Soul Train was syndicated for a long time. I think the NAACP Awards may have been on NBC at one time, but... 
as but I definitely know that like the Source Awards was on like UPN or something like that. But like shout but, out to UPN. Shout out to the U People's Network. Um, but for as long as I can remember, it's been a TV one, a BT, uh, uh, you know, it's AM2 been on MTV. Yeah, it's been on it. It's been MTV a cable seven. You know, MTV jams. So I'm happy to see the BT Awards at 20 years finally be on a major network. You so, know what was the funniest about that though? What? That they actually aired it on CBS, which is the widest network is of it? all time. Wait, how is LL Cool J is like the only black person, and that said the entertainer so with uh with Pam are like the okay. only shows that have had black people in like the last four hundred years on CBS. I might have to give that some thought. You might be right. I don't I can't even really The only time I you mean, see black people on CBS. All I know is that the Young and the Restless comes on CBS. So for me that's black. Is Christoph St. John still on there? He's dead. See? See what I'm talking about? Okay. See? See? And the rest of his family is whatever. You know, the, listen, The Young and the Restless is low-key a black show. Um, all right. I want to also move on from music and entertainment. This has been a really rough week in black media. Um, because part as a result of the recent, this recent round of uprisings and protests, I think that somewhere we all collectively got a memo where we were like, you know what? Not only are we not deal like not being passive with these white folks and and preserving their feelings anymore but you know what let's talk about what's going on in-house right and there has been a collective like calling out of type you know i didn't know if i should say anything i've been holding on to this story i didn't want to really expose anybody but it's like it be your own niggas. That's what we've been going through for the past week on the media side. So I don't necessarily want to rehash the details of every one of them, but more so just to talk about what kind of effect this could have moving forward. Because I think it's not even so much a crabs in a barrel thing, which I think some people want to claim, like, you know, folks get a little, folks get senior positions and they want to hold other folks down. I just think that people are put in positions of power who don't know how to handle power. Like, is it a reaction to, like, I've been oppressed so long, as soon as I get in a place where I can actually, like, push that off on somebody else, I'm going to do that a little bit? I don't know. What do you think? No, I think it's just men are trash. Like, let's just be honest. Like, some women, too. Like, there's, but there's yeah. women indicted in the Essence um, joint. I've definitely worked under some women who were all about, like, the haze. Yeah, but you know what? If we dig deep enough with that, um, it's usually probably stems from somewhere they had something that that they had to deal with that was based mm-hmm. on misogyny, and it hardened them and made them away, and they might not have grown or evolved or matured from it. But if you dig deep enough, and like you said earlier, like it was a bad week. No, I actually thought it was a great week. Like I think it's good <laughs> that everybody's I getting exposed. Yeah, I think it's good that people are getting called out. I think it's good that people are losing their contracts and their money and they're getting put out the paint um, because, like, it's time for them to go. Some stuff I had no clue about it. Like, I spent a couple days earlier this week, like, having conversations and, like, self-reflecting when it was like, okay, what was I doing that I didn't pick up on some of this stuff in some of my own industries? Right. Um, Because, like, as a man, I got to look at myself and being like, okay, while I didn't know certain things were going on, 
because I didn't rock with certain people or I didn't I didn't mingle in certain circles. Right. Like I just feel like I should have did a better job of being observant of, of black women. Well, and I'm not, and you know, but I also think that you still may not have known. So like the companies that are being called out specifically, at least now, I'm a hundred percent sure more is to come. Uh, it started with OK Player and OK Africa, and then um, was Black Sports Online, which I didn't even know he had staff. But that's a whole nother whatever. You um, staff if you don't pay him. I mean, true. I didn't know he had people at all. Um, and then, and he apparently today was let go from TMZ Sports, which I didn't know that was even a thing. But anyway, so then it was essence and the essence one, the fallout is still kind of rolling out. Um, but I think that it's not so much that we didn't know. Like, I don't feel like anybody black is surprised by these stories. Right. Because we all know that there, if you work in a tight industry, there are always these conversations, not just about the white orgs, but the black orgs about who mistreats, who underpays, what's janky, what you might get, what you might not get. And we just kind of chalk it up to part of the process, paying dues, the price of admission, like, and it just feels like everybody is collectively like, nah, fuck that. We're not taking it anymore. But I'm very curious to see, well, A, who's next? Because they definitely not done. (laughs) Like hip hop, Harry? Who's next? Who's next? Go, 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 go. Who's next? I know a few people who are like, I'm just, I'm just waiting on this former job, this former boss, this former whatever. Um, I also think though, like, I think, Karen, that this is like a year of reckoning. Like, I think that between COVID-19. And then the uprisings coming on the back of COVID-19 when everybody was already at their wits end, already tired, already out of patience, you know, already looking at a changed world. I just really think that any fucks we had left to give just gone. I like I reached negative in March. <laughs> like, I don't I and I and I always walk around day to day with like zero to one at maximum. Right. Right. So, like, yeah, I, you know, when you, you know, remember that time when you was like real world broke mm-hmm. and you would check your bank account and it'd be like a negative $234? Yes. I'm like there. Like, that's <laughs> where I'm at. I, I'm but there. I think the funniest thing to me is that, like, we're all there and it, like, all happened at the same time. I remember there was, like, one series, like, three days in group chats where every single person was like, yeah, now nah, I'm over this. I'm about to tell this person about themselves. I'm about to tell this coworker about themselves. So it was only a matter of time before it turned internally. So I and I also do see finally a challenge for like some real accountability with people pushing each other to say, all right, fellow black person, what systems of, you know, supremacy, the patriarchy, whatever, are you upholding with other black people? Right. And I think that I don't know, like I'm I'm seeing people being more specific with celebrity call outs, people calling out friends. I mean, it's about to get I think this is this is a like I said, it's a reckoning. Like twenty twenty like, is about blowing through like the winds of Pentecost. Like get all this shit out of here. You gotta understand it though, it's because people have had their vices taken away that would have, have no distraction. Yeah, like look. Yeah. You, 
here in Chicago, I read something where like the other the governor just passed something that because we weed is like legal here. Mm-hmm. People that can grow and transport, import it, they're like uh, whatever certificates or whatever they could get from the state that was going to legalize it has been put on hold. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't go out to eat. <laughs> you can barely go outside. Right. Everybody's stuck in the house and they're either good with their significant other, tired of their significant other. If you're single, you're not getting none. <laughs> like you, can't, you can't go to a happy hour after work because you right. can't. You're not going to work to leave anywhere. Right. And it's like you're no sport. It's no sport. You can't hang out with people. You can't go to the movies. There isn't date night anymore. There isn't, oh, let's go to his event and, you know. Can't go on vacation. You can't do anything that people normally do to get away to stop them from going off on people. That's a very good point that I had not considered. So because people have no distractions, no vices, no true alternative ways to either just numb themselves to whatever's going on or distract themselves to whatever's going on. And I would also argue because people do not right now have to be in the office with these motherfuckers every day. I think that's part of it too. They're like, yeah, nah, whatever. So what do you get when you add all that together? Time. People have nothing but time and everybody has time today. And so when the wrong thing happens, you're like, you know what? Fuck it. I got time. (laughs) I got time. Everybody got time. I would just say, listen, I've been examining my own shit. If you got something that's gonna, if you have something that is summer jam screenable, (laughs) that shit is coming. I would advise that you sweep around your front door. Um, But even as Essence is going through its own uh, process, I do just have to give a quick shout out to Essence Music Festival because I would be on my way to New Orleans probably today or tomorrow for a good old five days of eating, two-stepping, drinking, and just being really fucking black. And wait, I'm wait, 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 wait. Two things. I want to get yes. to the controversial one second. First of all, yeah. do people know how much of a dance floor connoisseur. That's the right word. <laughs> you are. I don't know if they do. Like, I've never seen you sit down. I don't sit down. This is true. At all. If there is music playing. People may not know this about me, actually. So so you guys should know. If there is music playing, I could be in the grocery store. I could be in a restaurant. I could be on the sidewalk. But especially in a venue, I'm I'm probably up. If I'm sitting down, it's because I'm really t- I'm really tired. I'm really bored. But usually, I'm I'm up and I'm on the floor. But that's what I love. That's what I love about Essence. It's just like, I I mean, I just, to that end, I'm in my seat. I'm dancing in my little aisle. I'm doing. I'm trying to do a whole like hand dance. You, you also have a formation. <laughs> I, do. I don't think you know that you do. I don't think I know I do. Anytime I've seen pictures of y'all in person, you right. and the person. Yes, and our good friend. Yes, y'all have a. It's like you head down, her head up, and y'all are. It's a fiend. It's It's like black. It's like Ebony Voltron. I don't know what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's like the Power Rangers, Wonder Twins activate. Like. It's like y'all y'all don't look at each other. We it don't look happens. at each other. It just happens. It just happens. And this is yeah. So we share a friend in common, and that's actually like I I 
I hit her up for her birthday. When I when I posted for her birthday, I was like, you are like one of the main people that made me think of outside. When I think of being outside, especially in summertime, that's usually my girl. And we would probably both be in New Orleans right now, actually. But I think the thing I wanted to shout Essence Festival in part because um I was talking to some of the some of the other guys from Bomb and, and Count the Dings um on Wise's uh on Wise's show last week. And talking about how some of the stuff that we are explaining is kind of like black stuff for white people. So I welcome that because I know we have black listeners, but I know we have white listeners too. So um, I realized, so like as this festival have reached, is definitely going to decline again next year, but have reached like 5,000 500,000 people annually descending upon New Orleans for the Essence Festival, right? And I remember last year walking the streets on the 4th of July because the, the festival didn't start until the 5th. And there was mad white tourists out there on the 4th. And they were so confused about where all these black people were coming from. And I was like, it's 25 years old. How do you still not know? It's still like a... How is anything with 500,000 people annually still a secret? It's still like a secret. And I, I, you want to know a secret? I still haven't gone yet. I'm, uh, you haven't? I thought you were gone. I could have sworn you've told I, me that you gone. I've not gone. At least you know about it, though. But wait, what's what's held you back? Why haven't you gone? Look, man, I'm listen. It ain't been but two, three years. I didn't got my life together. Like I just got a tough <laughs> All right. Like okay. look, and then a couple years. It's just always come at certain times where I just couldn't go or I had something else planned. Mm-hmm. But that reaction from black women after girls trips where I was just like, okay. And I was hearing stories from cats that was like, look, trust me, just go and show up. You'll have a great time. And I was like, you know, I'm pushing 40. Might as well hop head first into this auntie game and And just just pull up. It's not even the auntie thing. I think that was what held people back a long time. It's not even the auntie thing anymore. Like they're definitely like younger women. That's what I love about Essence is that there are Black, it's like a family reunion. There are black people of all ages, from all regions, of like there's whole families out there. There's girls that are there in trips. There's guys that are there, you know, to to get at the girls who are there. There are couples there. Like, and you can create whatever experience you want. If you want to just do a party weekend, you can do a party weekend. If you only want to do the shows, you can just do the shows. If you just want to be in New Orleans and soak up the energy and just eat. You can do that too. Like you can create whatever experience you want for it, which I love about it. But I miss it. And Bruno Mars is head was was supposed to headline this year, which I've been waiting for for about a good three years. So you know, New Orleans Essence, yeah. But you said all that like you ain't never shot your shot at nobody in Essence, like. Uh, for the last exception <laughs> of last year, for the four years previous to that, I was at Essence with my significant other. Thank you very much. Now, what might happen previous to that? That's ancient history. We don't have to go into all that. But uh, yeah. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, last week uh, we talked about NASCAR and um and Bubba. God bless Bubba. I want to revisit just really quick, not NASCAR itself, but Organist Mike Phillips, um, who plays for a bunch of different sports organizations, did the national anthem last week, over the weekend, and snuck Lift Every Voice and Sing in there at the top of it. 
So it went viral because everybody, but first everybody was like, NASCAR is playing the Black National Anthem. I never thought I'd see the day, and that wasn't on my 2020 bingo card. But I argue that NASCAR had no idea what was going on, nor did anybody else on the track that he just snuck that in there because white people don't know what the Black National Anthem is. Nope. I have been in situation. They just thought it was a gospel riff. Yep. a few years ago and he was doing a rendition like of a like a mashup of lift every voice and sing for those who don't know lift every voice and sing was the the negro national anthem in 1919 by the NAACP we've called it that ever since um by James Weldon Johnson and his brother them Johnson boys um but the people in the, because you know white people love Stevie Wonder because they love Motown, but the white people in the arena were so confused when he would get to the lift every voice part and every black person was like standing up singing it. They were like, what the fuck is this song? Because they literally just had no idea. But the bigger thing is, I found out a couple of years ago, somebody I follow on Twitter did a poll like a black person did a poll like how many y'all know the black national anthem and people were like you mean wipe me down you mean the wobble you mean like it was there were a a shocking number of people and i want to say they were probably all like early 30s or in their 20s who had no idea that there was such a thing as what we call the negro national anthem or what it was now i know you know you went to a hbcu and you grew up in your super black household so i know you've been to it Look, like all, all three stanzas front and back, right? But like, listen, I listen. I'm not gonna act like I know all the stanzas. Okay, but, but I know the sum. Like I, I know the hum part. I know the first and the last. Like, I, know now, the I have been somewhere. The funniest thing is when you go to places. Mm-hmm. The last time I really, really heard it, which brings in your story, is I was I was getting an award a couple of years back, and two of my white coworkers came, and when it was time for it. Like, they looked at me, and I just bust out laughing. I was like, y'all just stand there and just shut up. And they were like, okay. <laughs> right. And they were just like, yo, this is dope, but what is this? And right, I, right. We'll talk about it tomorrow at work. But the funny thing about it was the woman who sang it got up there, and she was like, everyone, we're going to do all three stanzas. Ooh. And all the black people in the room was just like, oh, shit. Nobody knows all three stanzas. Nobody. Listen, you know. if, if you just go with the first verse. If you exactly. ain't got the Methodist hymnal in your hand, yeah. don't sing all three songs. Like, you pushing it with the second one. The third one, 
I was like, I ain't heard this since vacation Bible school. Like, you wildin', ma'am. Chill this out. Because if you go all three stanzas, you on stage for a good nine minutes and 34 seconds. Oh, my God. Because you also can't sing it fast. No. Right? You have to sing it very slow. Like an old school Methodist hymn is meant to be sung. So, yeah, you about to be there all day. Um, For those who are like, what in the hell are y'all talking about? You know where you've probably heard it? If you watched Homecoming, you've heard the Negro National Anthem because beyond, of a sort because Beyonce wove it. Why are you making that face? Because I'm just, a part of me is just like, if they listening to this show, they don't know what this song is. <laughs> they may not. They may not. Listen, we're here to also, we're here to ed- ed- educate and entertain. They got to catch these jokes, though. Sure. They Absolutely. definitely got to catch these jokes. But th- but it's on Homecoming. So I did I did a little poll on Twitter because I wanted to see, and it might be because my following is older, but I felt much better about the amount of people who actually proclaim to know what they're talking about. But I will also say, you know, I'm from Gen X. I think we might have been, except for people who went to specifically um, – black schools or HBCUs, we might have been the last generation who, like, was taught this regularly. Um, but... But wait, I, wait, wait, let me stop you. Like... Go ahead. We didn't sing it that much at Morehouse. But y'all did it for, like, convocation and stuff, right? We got a whole ass Morehouse hymn we sing in no other words, too. I can count probably on one hand the amount of times I heard the Black Negro National Anthem at Morehouse College undergrad. But like, done at, like, graduations and stuff like that? Fam. Yeah. <laughs> it don't really be what y'all think it be most of the time. Oh, okay. Well, I know fam, you people be like, yes, we know it. We know but, all like, they, But fam, fam is a dip. Woo. Like, that's the, I like to tell people this all the time. Like, there's such thing as HBCU culture, but it blows people's mind when we get into, like, sub-HBCU cultures they own campus. Like, right. the way fam gets down... Is the complete opposite of how we get down at Spellhouse and like how AT gets down, like they on a whole different planet. And right. it's so funny because there are like mm-hmm. some things that we all do, but then you'll pull up at somebody's picnic, festival, homecoming. Well, or yeah, you're still whatever, not a monolith. And you're just like, what the hell is this? Like, right. who does this? Only they do it. Um, so it's always some some new interesting tidbit I learned about some group of some alums from HBCUs that it's like only they do this. Do what they do. Certain songs, certain traditions, they just have that is just strictly them. And that's how you can always tell um, if it's some alums of that school in the house. That's fair. Well, in terms of like the Twitter population, at least for my followers, I was pleasantly surprised to find that for the most part, um, Everybody, let's say I had 1,500 replies. This is just since yesterday, since late last night, actually. Um, most people said they either knew the whole thing or they vaguely knew it. And only 10% was like, what is that? So that's only 150 people. But out of those 10%, I asked, um, had, if you knew it, did you know it before homecoming? The majority of them did. And then I asked, if you didn't know it, how many of you were black? And out of those, like, 150 <laughs> people, out of those 150 people, like, half were. And I asked if you're black American. Um, yes, yes. That and out of that, <laughs> yeah, it's a difference. And out of that, that was only, like, half of them. So I'm not, I'm not too disappointed. But it also reminds me of, of when, was, when was Stevie's birthday? Last month, when, when Stevie Wonder's birthday came around, 
um, we were, I was saying on Twitter how I hate Stevie's version of happy birthday, which black people have adopted. This is how we have to sing every happy birthday to everybody, but it always falls apart after the happy birthday. Then it just like collapses into a mess. Right. And some people were applying saying, well, my parents never wanted us to do it. Cause they were like, we're not Martin Luther King and it's for Martin Luther King. And then I saw a reply saying, what do you mean Martin Luther King? Like what's it got to do with Martin Luther King? And I realized that there was a whole contingency of people who do not know that Stevie Wonder's happy birthday was written as a lobbying tool to make Martin Luther King's birthday a national holiday. I just, I just assumed all black people knew that. And then I realized like, but why would they know it? Because nobody ever plays that song. Like you don't just play the whole happy birthday song. Nobody plays it. You don't sing the whole thing. I, I, and that's when I realized that sometimes we're the ones that fuck up because we're not teaching. Like we're we're the we're at the age now where we're supposed to be the teachers and we're dropping the ball. Because folks were like, Google is right there, and I'm like, but they don't know what to Google. What they? Why would you Google Happy Birthday when you don't know that there's something to Google? I couldn't even be mad. But you know, hey, I I kind of agree with that. But I'm also there's a part of me that looks at this generation. And they're, they're just, they're what just, do you mean? Because you tend to not identify as the generation that you are actually I, in. Because I'm not. Because we. That's what you are. No, no. I keep telling you, we need to have a whole podcast about how the group of so unquote of millenniums who were in undergrad when Facebook came out, how we are a different breed because the whole world changed for us and we became the guinea pigs for everything. And we have a different outlook on everything. And we get stuck in this group that we're too old to be a part of, but we're also too young to be a part of the group that's above us. There's a name for y'all. Y'all are called Xennials because you have some of our characteristics and and because you came of age before social media and before the digital age, but you're still of a different generation than we are. So you do have a name. You do have a place. But you can't just cast off millennials. All You're still a millennial. Nah, I hate But it. you mean young millennials. Okay, but you're about to say this generation. What about this generation? Like, it's just too many times where it's like information is too readily available to you so easily mm-hmm. to where certain questions, if you don't know, I get if you don't know certain questions to ask, but you can literally hit a button and ask Siri or ask Alexa where I'm like, you don't even understand the process of getting to the library, getting a library card, and then understanding the duty like card catalog Jesus. or the card catalog. This is Michael what you had to do to get the information <laughs> that you can right. hit a button for. So right. when I ask you a question that you should know or you can easily get the answer to, and your response is, I don't know, instead of asking Alexa, which is the least you can do, I'm like, get on my face. So, you know, okay, I feel similarly to you because I grew up in a household where if I asked a question, the answer was look, it, look up. it up and then come back and tell us the answer, right? So, and, and come back and tell us the answer. And I had to tell the answer in a way that showed that I synthesized the information and wasn't just repeating the information. Right, like I couldn't, I couldn't repeat exactly what, whatever. But anyway, so, I, but what the way somebody explained this to me, because I was talking about, how we get on them about music, about the lack of appreciation for music, because when you have every single thing in your phone, the idea of building a music collection doesn't hold any cachet anymore, right? But 
the way somebody explained it to me, which relates to what you just said, was they don't understand how valuable this level of access is, right? Like you don't understand what a big deal it is to be able to access information so easily if you hadn't been through it the other way before, right? So they don't even really understand like how to us, our minds are blown. Like you can ask me any question. I'm on Google 57,000 times a day because anything I'm like, oh, let me Google that. Let me find that out. What does that say? And I can find almost anything. Because I was a good researcher before, and now I'm an excellent researcher. But if you've never been taught those skills analog, you don't know what you have. Like, they don't, they don't know how good they have it. That's they, what don't, they don't make these kids do footnotes anymore when they write papers. Right. <laughs> That's what it comes down. But also, like, I don't know if this might have been you or somebody else who I saw a couple years ago write this on Twitter. And was like, this is a generation that grew up having listening to whatever they want to in the car because there wasn't just one stereo in the house. I've said that, yeah, everybody's in their own little entertainment style. You were to hear what your parents listened to. You get to listen to whatever you want to, so you grew up, and I'm just like, well, you should have forced these kids and took their AirPods away and made up a Citizen Nita Baker album. I mean, but the problem with that is that our parents didn't do that to us. It's not like they forced us to listen to the music. It just was a matter of circumstance. Like, you absorb their music by uh, osmosis because it's what was on in the house. It's what was on in the car. They didn't even intentionally expose us to it. They just did. And I think that's what we're losing is the fact that we're not consciously making an effort to expose people behind us to the music. So then it's like how much of that responsibility is on us. I get that, but at the same time, I feel like if I would have had these same things, my grandma still would have made me listen to Candy State in the Cadillac. <laughs> my daddy would have still been playing Phyllis Hyman album. But do you really? But they wouldn't have made you take your yes. earbuds out. I, yeah, yes, they would have. No, you're it, not. It would have been, boy, you're going to hear this. I and then I would have been forced to do it. If you say so. All right. Uh, next question. This is 4th of July weekend, which... Like, Memorial Day meant nothing to me because... <laughs> you couldn't go nowhere. You couldn't go nowhere. We were still heavily in lockdown. But now that, like, things are easing open, even though a lot of countries are... um, I mean, not a lot of countries. A lot of states are reversing some of their opening stance and shutting things back down. Like, I think New York beaches are open as of July 1st, if I'm not mistaken. Um... And a lot, of, like a lot of places, have kind of gone back to cautious outsideness. It feels like people about to be outside for Fourth of July. I am not. I have to go to Philly for work, but it's like with a COVID nineteen plan in place for the event with distancing and remote shit happening and whatever. But do you feel like I feel like people are gonna be outside for the fourth? I mean, I feel like people are gonna be acting like this shit is normal. Have they not been? They ain't been following the rules for weeks. True. So you, you listen. Anytime you get black people, any, it's not just black people. I You're know. not gonna make this about black people. Not, but no. But I'm, these are the people okay. that I deal with, and I care about the most. Okay. <laughs> you give us an excuse to fire up that grill. True. The grill is real. It's gonna happen. People have been on the grill, though. People have been on the grill for, for isolation, but that's true. Yeah, I just feel... It's a different type I, of sauce. I really feel like... I feel like this holiday... It feels like a holiday weekend is coming up, even though it didn't feel like that in Memorial Day weekend. And even though... One thing I will say, though, is that all those 
Fourth of July sale commercials that you usually see around this time. I'm not seeing those, which I find interesting. It's like retailers are laying low, but because it would be in bad taste. But what are what are you doing this weekend? You just, I mean, obviously you're at the house, but I know some people are like, well, I might go to my parents' house and lay low there. I might go to family's house where there's gonna be like four people. You just in the apartment? Uh, I'm open. Uh, so anybody got any? I'm, I have <laughs> no plans. I'm going to get some Mexican food on Friday. That's all I know right now. So, uh, question marks. I don't know. All right. So for all our listeners, I am advising and cautioning and urging you guys, please be careful. Please don't get caught out here in these COVID streets. Like it, it really concerns me. It gives me great anxiety to see so many people outside. Like it ain't still like Rona, Rona is still outside. I don't know who told y'all Rona was not outside. Rona is still outside. The numbers keep shifting. And if we ever want to go outside again in life, normally, I would really like you guys to do a nice socially distanced barbecue at your crib or with a handful of loved ones. But since you are going to be in the house this weekend or just amongst friends, um, I would encourage you to subscribe to our Patreon. It is patreon.com count the dings for exclusive content, show extras and more. And I remain Naima Cochran, and he remains. I'll let you say your own name this time. Oh, I should do like a Donnie Simpson impersonation. Oh, Jesus, just fun. say it, Ladies, my name is Karen Phillips, and thanks for tuning in. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Thank you guys. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see y'all next week. Later. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.